This episode of That Comic Smell is sponsored by David Robertson's The Taybridge Disaster Comic, now funding on Kickstarter. On Sunday the 28th of December 1879, the Tayrail Bridge collapsed as a train from Burnt Island to Dundee passed over it, killing all aboard. Read about this extraordinary event and everything surrounding it in the new comic by David Robertson under his Fred Egg Comics imprint. Go to Kickstarter today and pledge on the Taybridge Disaster comic. That Comic Smell comic issue number one is now available to buy. Join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadaka and Tom Stewart with guest artist John Tucker as they create their first anthology together. Buy your copy today at fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com Go to fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com today to buy your copy. Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast. With your hosts, David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadaka and Tom Stewart. So, uh, yeah, so it's fine, yeah. I mean, I was off today. Uh, so I always use Tuesday to get comic stuff done. Um, do you want to see my comic I'm doing today? Aye. Yeah, of course. Right, this might surprise you, right? The scale I'm working on. This is page five. <laughs> so It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge, isn't it? <clears throat> what the actual... I don't, I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> what? It's this big canvas I've painted. Jesus. Six panels. Okay. Yeah, so it's not finished yet. I'm putting in the blocks of colour, and then I'll, I'll get into it. Sometimes wow. I just get the urge to get out the big paintbrushes and start slapping it on. Yeah. But, you know, it's quite pleased with that. Very good. Um, what are you going to do with that? Well, it's for, it's for my entry for the Dundee Comics Prize. Right. Okay. So I did the first four pages um, on regular paper, the normal way, and then the fifth page kind of goes into like a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that big canvas... I think my mum and dad bought that and then decided they didn't like it. It's got a photo underneath it. Right. And they said, do you want this? And I thought, yeah, I'll paint on that at some point. Something with it, yeah. Yeah, and that was a few years ago. So with this project, I've thought, right, let's go. Use, reuse, recycle. Yeah. I don't have a clue how to paint. Uh, You know, I don't have a clue how to do anything. You know, lettering, ink, and drawing, then I just do it. Yeah. Give it a go. So you just, I just stand there giving it. 
<laughs> Come on! What's the worst that could happen? You make a shitty comic. Well, throw it on the pile. Yeah, so that's me. Thanks for indulging that. Gentlemen. Is the whole comic that size, that scale? No, the other pages are regular size. Right. So I don't know what I'll do with that. Maybe stick it on. That'd be an awkward format. (laughs) (laughs) Just a second. Bring the... (laughs) And that's the fifth page of the story. You'd be like, uh, what's his name? Is it uh, Woodrow Phoenix? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Coming in with giant carrots. (laughs) Did you both see that when he did his book? No, I didn't, no. You told me about it, and then I... I'm pretty sure I, like, you sent me a link to it, and I also saw it online. Right, yeah. That must be years ago. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah. I could just, I could just see. I think you did. could do a, a fold-out page of that. You just get your normal format, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then just and again and again and again. Like a poster. <laughs> yeah, massive. But I mean, it'll be just be printed a regular size. It's only just to entertain me, you know. Well, the you fact that it, I'm doing that. Well, you did it with the um, the Kirby one before, didn't you? You got yeah. them in the house. That's right. Yeah, the big Kirby picture. Kirby. For the hundredth hundredth birthday of the king. The king. Jack the king Kirby. I've just finished re-listening to those episodes. Hmm. Oh yeah, listening back to those old episodes is quite funny. I'm just sitting going like, oh, I'd, I, I would have cut that now. Oh, I'd have cut that uh, out yeah. now. Oh, I would have cut that out now. There's loads of like awkward silences that I've left in, and I don't know why. There's loads of bits where like we've obviously all been sitting around going, God, look at that, you know. And usually mm. now I would go, look at that, and then I'd just have us going like, oh, yeah, that's great, and then moving on to the next thing. Whereas in the first like three or four episodes, it's like, look at that. Uh, oh yeah oh that's that's great like nothing else and you're like oh my god like move on come on hurry up (laughs) but then you've got more experience now edit them and how you do them yeah you've learned things so and as and as you have more experience then if you look back on your work and you go oh well yeah i should have cut that off and i have done that differently nowadays that that just shows you how you have evolved, how you have changed the way that you edit the program, and how you you know got it slicker and 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 smoother from that point of view. So yeah, you know, so it's so good, man. And yeah, I, I probably don't put in. There's pro- probably a lot less kind of effort goes into it now. Um, I think it's just because I know what I'm looking for. So yeah. when it comes up, I'm able to just kind of go like, right, right, out, 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 and it doesn't feel as much of an effort. Whereas in the start, I remember sitting with episodes for like three days. Listening and, going, and yeah, listening. Yeah, going through and it being like, oh, right, okay, that's... Oh, I'm going to do this that, that way. And, yeah. And, and you thought, oh, yeah, that, that you know, took me a lot of time, and i done it right. Yeah. And now you're listening to them, and you go, no. That's... <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's now there's just like whole sections where we maybe like repeat ourselves but I know it's coming I'm listening to it and I'm like right I know we've made that point there and I know we're just going to repeat ourselves again so just cut like, the next five minutes out and there we go it's fine yeah we repeat ourselves quite a lot yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be like one of us will, one of us will give the point over 
we'll get lost in a bit of conversation and then we just give that point again because we've forgotten we said it 10 minutes before you know what I mean (laughs) you know you start the story and the joke and then it goes on a tangent you know on a tangent tangent for about half an hour and then it comes like so (laughs) and then it comes you know half an hour 45 minutes later to that point that you thought oh yeah yeah we were in that in that field, talking about the talk, and you know, yeah. and it just comes. We're the same. We just do this nonsense. It's <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. But I think they're great. Like I love listening to them back again and again. Um, like I, I, I think that's my. That must be like my seventh or eighth listen through to all the episodes. Wow. Um, well, they just I have fly. a confession to make. Oh, you've I never listened? listened? No. Any any of them? No. No. I didn't think you would have. Um, although, any of them. although you're not on you're not on the Valerian one so you could listen to that Valerian, okay there was a Valerian one. Oh yeah that's right I couldn't maintain that one yeah you're in uh, you're in Mallorca, Mallorca at that point ah that's right yeah I was in Mallorca at that time and, um, I think you, you sent something in and I read it out which I have cleverly edited so it doesn't sound as stuttery and as eh, 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 as it did originally. Um, it's quite funny. There's just there's loads of names and stuff that, are try- <laughs> that I'm trying to <laughs> trying to. Oh, pronounce. Yeah, that's like that. a lot of like, different artists and writers yeah. and influences. And I thought Tom is gonna have a ball because <laughs> saying all these names in French. Belgian artist is gonna go. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> You can hear me turning to Giuseppe and being like, how, how do you say that? What's, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm half Italian. What are you talking about? Oh, he, he has a good go. He, he, he goes for it. Like, there's, loads, there's loads of them he, he has a good go at. And I'm like, oh, that, that sounds better. Could be totally wrong, but at least it sounds better. <laughs> the, uh, the Eisner's one's the best one for that. Oh my gosh! And I just suddenly, suddenly start giving it. Do you know what? I'm gonna give up saying the names and I'm just gonna say the titles because <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce these. <laughs> that was like, a nightmare. I know, and that was like second episode. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, I thought you were gonna go, and it's gonna. Yeah, I'll, I'll only say the main ones. And no, he got the whole fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> best graphic novel, best independent graphic yeah. novel artist, best. But <laughs> you know, know what? <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm actually I'm glad I went. Maybe not the artist, but like all the all the names. But I'm glad I mentioned all of them because going back and listening to them, I'm like, I recognise that one. I recognise that one. I've read that one. But at the time. We are going like, oh, I don't know that. Like, didn't even know that existed. Well, uh, I mean, we mentioned Tilly Walden like three times in that episode, and yet we'd never yeah. heard of her at that point. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. And also the whole Derf getting nominated for his for his lettering and winning it for his for his lettering, nothing else, just his lettering yeah. on trash. For the lettering, but not the rest of the story, or you know, yeah. graphic novel. No. Hey-ho. He does have good lettering, I guess. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Amongst all that many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I'm looking through Star Wars coins online. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, do I need to buy a 
Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker gold-plated coin for 30 quid? <laughs> of course you do. Well, I don't know. I've been buying less lately. I have bought one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I did buy those stamps, the Star Trek stamp. You did. Love that it. was cool. But as I only... soon as I saw them, I saw them in his paper, and I thought, on you, Dave, immediately, and I thought, Dave is going to get this. Yeah, we'll yeah. Get this. and then like a day or two later, bam! <laughs> yeah, check it Good out. Stuff. Good stuff. See, uh, it took me a couple of days to order because there's too many spin-off characters in the, the actual set itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's only got Kirk and Spock, and then all the rest of them are all the different series and all that. And yeah. I thought that, that was annoying me. But then I saw they've brought out a sheet that's like just a load of the Kirk and Spock ones. And I thought that's the one for me. Oh. No, what yeah. all these other twats? That guy off of Quantum Leap and fucking somebody else's uncle with a beard. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, hey, no, wasn't the one. See, that's my uh, well. Ne- next gen's my Star Trek. So that's that's fine. Well, that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> 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 I was gonna. I, I was That's a deal breaker, man. I seen your, I seen your, your tweet about it. I was really tempted. Oh, yeah. I was really tempted to be like, "Who's the guy with the ears?" <laughs> but, <laughs> oh no! Who's, who's, who's that old fat boy and the guy with the ears? Oh, What's happening? <laughs> no, I was, see, you, you knew that would have been yeah. too far. That's some things are not to be joked about. <laughs> He tests I, um, you. I know. He tests you. I, uh, he tasks you, Dave. Yes. I, I like him. Um, I like uh, I like. I like Next Gen. I like Voyager. Um, and oh god, what was the other one? Voyager. Next Gen. Deep, oh, Space, Deep, Nine. Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked. I liked them. They were all kind of. They were all in heavy rotation on Sky One and Channel Four. Like way back when they were oh, yeah. kind of either just premiering or playing repeats, and they would play yep. them, they would play them a lot. So I saw them a lot. But Enterprise and Discovery, no clue, no clue, not a Scooby, not a Scooby. Discovery, I've, I've watched the Discovery, and it's, it's actually very good. I've watched the first series of that, yeah, but I, I just couldn't wait for it to end. To be honest. <laughs> It was annoying me so much. <laughs> have you ever watched? Have you ever watched the Orville? I, I I did watch some of that on the plane when we went to India. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was all right, was it? It was. Just, it's yeah. like Star Trek. It's him doing a version of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. So it starts off. It starts off like quite comedic and funny as well, like yeah. his his kind of comedy, and then it just kind of loses that as it goes on. Yeah, it's it there's. Yeah, there's bits in it, and then he starts to just go like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm making fucking Star Trek now." That's it, you know. Yeah. Um, which I quite enjoyed actually, because it was. I, I enjoyed the Orville. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I only watched um, so when it was on, they did like a first half of the first season or something like that. I watched that. Um, I've not watched it anymore, but I, I did enjoy it as it was going on. It was really good. Look what I'm reading. Oh, oh yeah, hey. blueberry. That's uh, blueberries youth, oh. which is uh, they did kind of in, after the first twelve books or so of blueberry, they did 
the young, the, the youth, his early years, kind of give them a backstory. Uh-huh. Uh, but that was published within the collection. And the art is different by Moebius. It, it does, it uses a, a bigger kind of panel. And it's a rougher style, no as um, refined. Mm-hmm. And it just gives all the backstory, just a bit of a backstory of where he's coming from and etc. So it's three books nice. I managed to get my hands on uh, via Amazon. Uh, but yeah, they are trying, just trying to do this backwards here. Does he do all the colors as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did the color. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah, I always really wonder nice. how they keep that black line. I don't. There's some secret I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, it's really good. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, it looks great. Because that's the. I didn't have those ones, so I managed to get them actually, quite good price in Spanish. Mm-hmm. In Amazon here, UK. So that was good. And I went to Perth again uh, during the school holidays. Mm. And I went again to the Ozfan book. And again, they had few, um, they had quite a lot of graphic novels. Nice. So I also have this one I'm reading just now, which oh, the nice. cover looks very modern, but inside actually has classic uh, Green Lantern. By Gil Kane. Oh, lovely. Mm. Um, is that Jim Lee cover? Uh, the cover, I think, is. Or Larson. I think it's Ivan Reis. Oh, right. It looks very yeah. like either Early, yeah, it's, early it's Savage actually, Dragon or Lee. Yeah, it's very, it's very Jim Lee style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the that's the first story, Sinestro, when he's kicked out of the Green Lantern Corps and. Then, how Jordan meets him, and there's a lot of classic stories in this. And I thought, well, this is this is good. Uh, <laughs> another one, Kurt Swan here and Superman. Oh yeah, oh, <clears throat> lovely. That's good. Yeah, like that. That's uh, that's like a real Superman. Yeah. Artist. Yeah. 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 There's there's some Green Lantern. Corpse, that's one with Kevin O'Neill doing the art. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that spaceship. Um, that's of... lovely. I want them. I There's a lot of little nice stories, and the vast majority are old ones. Some of the more modern ones I'm not so fast about, but those old ones I'm very happy with. There's one by Alan Moore as well, with uh, the Mogo planet. <clears throat> which is this bounty hunter that goes uh, is gonna hunt this Green Lantern called Mogo and then he after spending months and months he realizes that he is in the planet and the whole planet is the Green Lantern and he escapes yeah he runs away. That, that's one of the Green Lantern comes written by uh, Moore it's, it's as well in in the book so there's many of them so that was a good buy and the other one I got I got a curiosity here mm. I'll see Dave recognizes this. Oh, wow. Jesus, yeah. God, that takes me back. The thing wow. is Big Ben. That's good. Amazing. 
that was just a couple of quid, and I thought, yeah, I need to buy these because it's just. Uh, that's... That used to be a weekly. The thing is yeah. big, Ben. Can you believe it? Hi, Mike. Marvel Spider- UK. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey Mike. Mike. Spider Woman. Yeah, appears there. I think it's a. Pretty sure it's a Marvel two in one. It was a funny thing to decide to publish in Britain. A, a oh, thing yeah. weekly, all based on being able to call it the thing is Big Ben. Because <laughs> I never, I never saw that before, and that was the first time. And I saw that one. I thought, well, I'll get this. This is a bargain. And the last one I got for a pound was this, which is another lot of reprints. Oh, yeah. and it has the first. Justice League. With Snapper Car. With Snapper Car and Staro. So, <laughs> there you are. Lol. Finally. <laughs> yes. Well done. <laughs> so I found a couple of oh. things that for very, very simple price, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. Nice one, man. Yeah, it was very tough. So what have I missed out? Nothing what have I missed out on? We we're we're finished, right? That's all. We're done. Done. We're wrapped up. That's all. Uh, see you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, another one that I actually read recently and, and like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed so much that I ended up uh, ended up actually reading it again was um, Stephen Ingram Holly. Uh, it's actually a it's a big beefing graphic novel um, but did I, did I already mention this? That rings a bell to me I've seen I that before yeah. yeah I'm aware of it it's, uh, I don't know if it was you or... <laughs> I really 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 thoroughly enjoyed it I wasn't ex- like I was expecting to like it I was expecting to enjoy it don't get me wrong because I, 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 I get on with Stephen Ingram's stuff but yeah the other side Tom, Tom, I've just watched your review of uh, that other graphic novel. Aye, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, no, it was just a single single issue, mate. And uh, yeah, um, got it today, read it today, binned it today. Yep. <laughs> wow. Uh, yep. I haven't seen your review, but okay, that gives me an idea. Yeah. 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 It must be some oh. extreme right wing bigoted stuff in it, or no? It's just just shocking, just shite, <laughs> just shite. Like shouldn't even bother. Shouldn't wow. even bother. I, I I merit everybody who who takes the time to make something, but when you phone it in like that and just make something just like for the sheer hell of it without even thinking about it. And without even giving it any second eyes or anything, then nah, straight in the bin. Straight in the bin. You would have been able to see you would have been able to see the inconsistencies a mile off if you just took a second pass over it. You would have been able to see that the speech bubbles didn't match up, that the story just went all <laughs> over the place, that there was absolutely no point to it whatsoever, and that every single character was unlikable and there was no redeeming features whatsoever. There was no motivation, no nothing. And it's, things just happened for the sake of it. Like, it's just awful. Awful. Terrible. And it was obviously passed to a printer. It was obviously passed to a printer at some point 
um, through a dial-up modem on Windows 95 uh, because <laughs> because my god the pixelation on those pages was dreadful like oh it was just horrendous and I just thought anybody imagine, to... imagine if the artist did that deliberately yeah, no. just to show people oh my art skills are so good I can make it look like it's done on Windows 95 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the, it's, not, it's not digital. It's all done well, the, the old-fashioned way. The artist is normally really good. I mean, I've seen his mm. previous work, but my God, he just phoned it in for this. He was just like, ah, fuck it. Like, oh, who, what, what do you want? You want a person? Well, here's a blob. And uh, there, there it is, saved at the lowest pixel rate ever on Photoshop and then sent to this person. And they're not even going to bother checking it. They're just going to put it out. Like, fucking Christ. Like, I've not got time for that. I wasted that time reading that fucking book, and it just went straight in the paper bin. Like wow. rubbish. They I, must have been happy with it, though, eh? I don't know how. If they've put it out, they must have been pleased. I, I do not know it. how. I've I've not seen any reviews so far, hmm. and I'm I'm telling you, if somebody comes away with a review being like, "Oh, best thing since sliced bread," I'll be like, "Right, I'm never <laughs> trusting that person with a review ever again." <laughs> uh, Nando, the video is six seconds long. Video review. I imagine they just said that you really liked it. I didn't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very clear what you felt, though. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I, if you... them after. I haven't had a chance yet, so. Oh. Brutal. Oh, dear Lord. Okay. Down to 100. No, honestly. Go back to your happy place. But you know, no, I think it's good to threw it in the bin and made a video it. Because as I was ranting, <laughs> was ranting away, you know, I'm sick and tired of crap comics, man. Yeah. But, you know, I was just having a wee tantrum the other day on, on uh, I was messaging you, Tom. Mm-hmm. And I was just giving it, what is it with all these fucking shit comics? They're all shit, and I don't want to read them. They're all shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I, I want excellence. Excellence or fuck off. I keep thinking that, you know, so, something or other or fuck off. Like they were, they were, discuss, they were discussing um, the other day Spider Man and who's the best artist. And I just wanted to write Steve Ditko or fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it just it fits so many things now that I think of it. I just think this and that or fuck off. I was thinking it the other day as well. It was like Kirk and Spock, fine. In fact, I did write it, didn't I? All yeah. other characters can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Never mind. <laughs> so that was a good tantrum, though. It's good, though. Yeah, it's good to get that out. Get a wee bit of venom going. Yeah. Dave. Yes. Nando. Excellent. Excellent. Or fuck off. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and if somebody says it is excellent inside, I go, no, it's not. Look at it. <laughs> exactly. It's not excellent, therefore... Off. Yeah, exactly. Do you know, for me personally, okay. that's that's where I'm at. I'm looking at my own collection, you know, selling stuff lately. I'm, you know, I must be reaching that age where I'm like, okay, it's good, but I've had it for thirty years. You know, does it need to be on those shelves when I'm dead? Yeah. Um. So even you know, I just want excellence now. Yep, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. It- it's something to aim for, isn't it? I'm giving. I'm, I've been giving away everything left and right now. I'm reading it and going, no, nah, I don't want it anymore. 
Like, yeah. am I going to read this again? No. Yeah. Even if I do enjoy it, because there's yeah. plenty of them I've really enjoyed. I've been like, this is great. But I've just not kept yeah. it. I've just not kept it because I'm like, I'm, I mean, I've only got a finite... We've all just got a finite amount of time on this earth and am I going to waste it reading that again? Or am I just going to enjoy it for what it was and leave it? Yeah. And a finite amount of shelves. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. I mean, Dave, you'll probably, right. you'll probably think this is sacrilege, but there is an explanation on the back of it. I was sent to Nando the other day. I gave Giuseppe um, my volume one of Hate, Peter Bag. But mm-hmm. like I said to Nando, it's because I'm probably not going to read volume one again. And if I yeah. did have the inclination to read Hate again, like any of it, I'd probably just buy the massive collection that's soon to be available. And I'll read all of it, as opposed to yeah. just, just volume one. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love Peter Bag. I think he's great. And I love mm-hmm. looking at all the artwork and I love reading everything because it's 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 just funny and it's witty and it's well written and it's great. But am I going to read it again and again and again? Probably not. No. So I don't need it on the shelf. You know what I mean? Well, well, we say so. <laughs> so! <laughs> what was the theme again? Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's environmental message, ecological message. Yeah. You wanna go first, Mike? Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. I'll just uh, get these a wee bit closer. What um what sparked you off to pick up uh, pick up um environmental messages in, in comics? Well funny thing is um a lot of people think I am actually an environmentalist. <laughs> I mean, I am sort of, but I'm not a hundred percent. Like, uh, you'll never see me protesting uh, unless it was uh, uh, getting limbs chopped off, that sort of thing. But I like to see myself as being environmentally aware. And for some reason, I, I was wondering, curious, um, if we had talked about this before, because uh, I sometimes think about topics we haven't covered before, and I think maybe environment might have been one that we either didn't co- cover or we vaguely covered at some point and uh, i've got i've got um some books here and i've tried to avoid going after ones that we've done before but i think a couple of them i have mentioned previously which i'll just skim over very very quickly um the first one i have <clears throat> is sharks nice by uh, bernard serret He's um he's a French scientist, so I might not have pronounced that right. And the artist is Julian Soli or Sol. So um here's here's how you spell that. Sole. 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 Hey! <laughs> I finally got one. <laughs> I agreed with you. That 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 means I might be wrong. <laughs> No, Nando agreed. <laughs> that's ah, how I'm going right. That's the king, the king of pronunciation right there. <laughs> yeah, so you remember the science graphic novels? This is a, on a very similar theme, and this one is about sharks in particular. Mm. And you're um, you're given a lesson by um, uh, by Bernard, who is a marine biologist in real life. So it's got a lot of uh, a lot of graphs, a lot of um, tables. And some very interesting pictures to show the scale of some of the uh, animals involved. 
Uh, most sharks are actually smaller than the average man, so you'll you'll be surprised at the diversity that he he lists out. And he goes over all the biology, and then at, near the end, there's um, a message about how sharks themselves are extremely oh. vulnerable to uh, people, in particular. Uh, they're slow to reproduce because they're at the top of the food chain. Uh, which means that if you decimate their population, those that can't recover vanish, and those that can recover will take such a long time to recover that they are extremely vulnerable. So he shows a lot of the ways that sharks have been uh, treated by people, including um, the usual sort of scaremongering where we have uh, them treated as uh, absolute monsters in, uh, in films. Yeah. So that's the first one. Yeah, it was um, like um, it was like because of Jaws, um, shark hunting went up like three hundred percent or something like that. Yeah, and interestingly, it doesn't mention this in this book, but the man, the inspiration behind Quint was a real life fisherman who yeah. who specialised in sharks, and after Jaws, he became an environmentalist because yeah. he saw firsthand how sharks were were dying off. But what is in the book is uh, at the introduction. Uh, there's there's some paragraphs of text telling us five incidents that really brought shark hunting to its uh, um, on the uh, on the seas and um, the first one is one of the incidents that Jaws is based on, which happened in 1916. I say one of the incidents; it was several in the same year. Then the second one was what happened to the USS Indianapolis. The third one, surprisingly, was uh, Jacques Cousteau hated sharks. Uh, yeah, he was great a whites in particular. Uh, the fourth one is when Peter Benchley <laughs> wrote his book. And the fifth one is the film Jaws itself, which even Peter Benchley in his later years regretted because he saw firsthand the damage that his story had done to sharks. Do you know what? <clears throat> Jaws, in a way, um, like although it's quite easy to be like, oh, it's just it's such a, a hindrance to sharks. It also shows that humans are just ignorant and idiotic and, and they'll just go against what's being plainly shown in front of them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, I mean... Well, you see the flaws of a lot of the characters that are on that film. Yeah, yeah big time. Some, some of them are exaggerated, but especially when you look at the likes of Quint or the mayor, the mayor especially, I think he's, he's often overlooked when you see how much of a uh, an antagonist in the film that yeah, but the minute he really they, is. But the minute they st- the minute they hit the boat, that's when it starts to become a kind of dangerous film. And like, oh yeah, we need to kill yeah. the shark. It then becomes it's more of a psychology film at that by that point. Yeah, it then just becomes like a a, a hero story after that though. Like these are the three heroes, and this is the <laughs> the evil shark. And you're like, mm. I realise that Jaws is a is a complete fiction fictitious thing in, in general like the size and, and the way it acts and everything like that like it's, it's complete fiction but yeah do you know what I mean in like, the past they, people people thought sharks were territorial but we don't really have any real evidence to say that things like great whites are yeah in fact they, they, they travel across the oceans and they, they take several months to do so the, pro- the problem with it is as well though that it might be a great fiction but unfortunately people don't know that they look <laughs> at Jaws and just think yep that's real Yep, one, one, good thing, uh, one good thing the book emphasises is that when sharks bite into humans, they realise that it's not what they like to eat and they let go. 
So there's more actual shark attacks than there are actual shark deaths, which are both both are very rare, but one is rarer than the other. Yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get on with the uh, the other book I have is one of the science comics. And instead of sharks, it's trees. Hey. This is a, another book. Both books are, are very similar, and this is very pleasant, except in this one, you don't get um, one scientist coming along. You actually have an acorn, a character of an acorn. Is that Andy Hirsch? Uh, duh, duh, duh. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the acorn's trying to find out about trees. <laughs> he's trying to find out about himself, and he's joined by various animals and plants along the way that inform him uh, as to uh, the habits of trees and the biology of trees. And it is absolutely fascinating because there's a few things there I, I didn't know about, and uh, I found it really enjoyable and easy to read. And... It also, like the shark one, it points out that trees, they're slow to grow. They, they cannot have too much pressure added on to them in climate change and so on, and, and logging that's uncontrolled. Uh, even if it's to make way for agriculture, it's such a pressure that trees need time to recover, especially large forests in tropical regions. Mm. So the environmental message is look after your forests. And there are so many other um, points here to say this is a very big ecosystem. So a lot of the other animals and plants and fungi and microorganisms that you find around trees not only rely on them, trees rely on these creatures as well. Yeah. And it emphasizes a, a, a complex uh, relationship between so many creatures and the trees themselves. And if we get rid of them, we do so at our own peril. Hmm. I'll only mention this one very quickly because I've mentioned this book before. Gone. Have you? Have you mentioned it yep. before? You cheeky bugger. No, I'm seriously. No, I'm 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 being one hundred percent serious there, Mike. I can't remember you. Yeah, it was that. Uh, it was the one about prehistoric. Um... Ah, David's got it as well. Is he... It's one chapter yeah. I'm going to mention, and it's called. Is he a character? He, he, he is a character. No, but I mean, in like. He looks at this is sounds sounds really stupid, but I'm sure Gone is a character in the game Tekken. Yes, he, he was brought on. Uh, he is. Yeah, he is, but he's originally a comic character. Right, right, okay. See, uh, there you go. See, we've I've not had this conversation with you. No way, no way. <laughs> not this exact conversation. But this chap, the chapter in here is called Gone Gets Mad in the Forest. So Gone is happily chowing down on. Uh, fruits that have fallen from the rainforest but then he sees that other animals are enjoying the food and he just goes wild especially a squirrel and all these other animals they encounter gone and they get into well basically if you try and fight gone you've not got a chance so yeah. he battles with an anaconda he battles with an ocelot and then he battles with the forest itself and when i first looked at this when i first read this I assumed that this is what happened when Gon went wild and he devastated the forest. But as you flick through the pages, you realise that once again there's an environmental message about the forest and that this is actually what's been left over by loggers. Ah. And it's turned into a desert landscape with lots of skeletons of former animals lying around that used to live in the forest. 
Then gone, of course, at the end, happy ending, he comes across this enormous tree with so many fruits. What a beautiful page. That the animals, yeah, that the animals have more than enough fruit to eat. So the last page is like this orgy of fruit eating. <laughs> and then to make it all really, really happy, at the end of it, you see gone with the squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them with full bellies, lying there, open-mouthed. Is that where you took uh, inspiration for one of your panels on uh, the real prehistoric creatures? Uh, when I looked at that picture there, I thought of the Smilodon and the uh, the black-footed ferret. Yeah, that's the one. I never thought of it at the time, but when I looked at that gone picture, it's possible that I've seen that and took influenced. inspiration from it. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't something that I was aware of at the time, but yeah. I thought of that as soon as I spotted that. Unconscious influence. Yeah. Um, what's the so what's, beautiful who, artwork? Who's the creator there, Mike? Uh, the creator is Masashi Tanaka. That looked great. Brilliant artwork. There, there's more more guns now, and David, I think, has one that I don't have. All right. Okay. That looked like the same cover to me. No, nah, it, was, it was different, but sometimes the chapters have... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it up... Uh... No, nah, it was different. <laughs> oh, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, shut up. Shut up, it was different, all right? That looks, that looks different to me. No, it's not, no, it was different. Um, the next one. The next one's not a graphic novel or a comic. It's a book about a character who's had lots of comics written about him. And Hi. it's Godzilla. This is a this is a celebration of Godzilla <clears throat> in uh, film, in literature, and uh, graphic novels. And I'll show you this fantastic picture drawn by R. Adams. It's showing you the scale of various creatures. Huh? And it's one of R. Adams' uh, works in colour. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, let's see if I can get it to the chapter on graphic novels. And as you know, Godzilla represents its extreme environmental... Here we are. Extreme environmental challenges. It's, it's paying tribute to all these comics and graphic novels Godzilla has been in. I've got a lot of them, and it was difficult to really choose which ones. But the story behind Godzilla, uh, I'll briefly, I'll briefly chip in on the uh, origin of Godzilla. The uh, Toho Film Studio were wanting to make a serious film about the atomic bomb blasts in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and at the time Japan was occupied by the Allies, namely the mostly the Americans. And there were a lot of studios were struggling to put serious films out because there was a, a restriction on what they could put up. So someone in the studio said, well, I know, let's put a monster in it. And that way they could, they could it would, the film would be seen as a horror film and not uh, criticising uh, the use of atomic weapons as such, which it did anyway, but the monster kind of took a lot away from the political edge away from it. They had, a, they had a brilliant script, which they weren't going to change, and they said, okay, by this, how long would it take for us to make a King Kong-style stop-motion animation, like done by Willis O'Brien and Ray Harryhausen? 
And the reply came back, it will take us seven and a half years to make the special effects. <laughs> At which point the, the uh, writer said, well, actually, or the producer said, we've rented out the studio for about three weeks. In the end, they, uh, they had to settle for, uh, for uh, a man in a suit and, uh, and uh, a, a, a studio. They saw that building a match, matchstick city and a man in a costume was well within time. So that's why Godzilla became a man in a costume. But it was, um, it was the only way they could get this serious film about what the damage caused by the nuclear bomb blasts yeah. were Who was without it? getting censors. What was that book called, Mike? The, the book is called The Official Godzilla Compendium. And it is by J.D. Lee's and Mark Serasani. But uh, the the last two books I have, it's a comparison between them. I've mentioned um, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. It's uh, like many, many books, um, especially some Japanese ones. It's uh, post-apocalyptic. Disaster has happened, environmental catastrophes, and people are having to survive from... uh, the dinosaurs returning to reclaim the land. Uh, you know, it's got brilliant artwork, brilliant stories. It's by Mark Schultz, and uh, I, I strongly recommend this one. And the book I'm going to compare it with is equally entertaining, but it's a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. And it's one of my three books that I'm meant to be reading for the next month or so. It is... Our very own flesh. Hey. I, I'm almost through. I've managed to read the, the first two books uh, within here. So it's the original story and the sequel, the direct sequel to that, <clears throat> with um, Old One-Eye Tyrannosaurus. It's got, it's got your typical uh, 2000 AD humour, which I enjoy. It's, uh, it's got some really happy moments where you're meant to be horrified and you just can't help sussing out that the 2080 guys were trying to get a joke out of it as well. Hmm. But the, the story is time travellers um, in the 23rd century are fed up with um, synthetic food because they've basically eaten everything <clears throat> and they've also discovered, conveniently, time travel. So they go back in time to the Cretaceous period and to the Triassic period in the sequel so they can gorge themselves on herbivorous dinosaurs. (laughs) But of course, the herbivores, when they put them in massive numbers, they attract the predators, uh, most namely a huge female Tyrannosaurus. And the main hero from the first one, he manages to blind her in one eye and she becomes old one eye, the, the hag Tyrannosaur. And she leads all the other tyrannosaurs and all the other predators to uh, destroy the ranch. And while they do so, there's one human character called Claw Carver, who in his past managed to kill a, a Deinonychus. That's the sort of dinosaur that the velociraptors from Jurassic Park are based on. And replace his hand, which got bitten off, with that claw. And he is the villain in the first two uh, books. And he's got a, a prequel as to how he started off as well. There's not that much in the way of uh, redeeming characteristics in them. He looks like a, a Wild West bad guy, but with a Deinonychus claw for a hand. 
and it's right as for right hand. It's like a a hook that he uses to butcher any of his enemies with. Hmm. He's absolutely uh, a complete and utter villain, uh, worthy of any 2000 AD story. And I am really enjoying this book, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest and talking about the rest when we have our uh, three books that we uh, we plan to read. So I'm I'm basically like one and uh, three fifths of the way through that trio of books. Nice, <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, but the environmental factor is you have all these guys who have no restrictions and they're basically eating their way. <laughs> And Mother Nature is not going to accept them eating their way through all the other animals. Mm. There's an extremely uh, surreal moment where they're zooming people back into the modern day and some dinosaurs get trapped with them with some people outside their ships and then there's a sort of mutant-human hybrid (laughs) with multiple heads comes out the other end and is is quickly dealt with by lasers. So... uh, but it's one of it's again it's one of these bits that's meant to be absolutely horrific, but the guys at 2000 AD cannot help making it look humorous. Yeah, there are multiple authors and multiple artists involved in this, um, including my favourite, one of my favourite 2000 AD artists, Massimo Bellardini. Uh, well, Bellard. Nelly, sorry, Bill Ardinelli. He did Love tell a lot of the old stories hmm. as well. So absolutely fantastic. I recommend it to anyone. So that, that's me going through my uh, environmental list. They're probably not what people would think of as environmental, but I certainly see it as that way. And um, I got a spur- <laughs> I'd say at least half of them. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. There must have been some sort of environmental catastrophe going on for no more proper food, and it's all synthetic. That they yeah. they really it was a driving force to having time travel and uh, a part of Sprontosaurus burgers. I was saying to I was saying to Dave and Nando earlier on, Mike, that I've been listening back to all the old episodes again, and uh, honestly, one of them is hilarious. It's when we're doing science comics. <laughs> and some of the stuff that you tangentially brought along is just <laughs> fucking honestly. And I think at one point you tell us a story, and I was actually, it wasn't until I came away from it, I was going, what did that actually have to do with science? I didn't get it. <laughs> you told well, it didn't get caught. <laughs> no, I didn't. You told, us, you told us the whole story of this one book, like almost all, all, from start to finish, and I went... I don't actually think he's tied that into science at any point. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until you finished talking that I kind of went, why did I leave that in? What's this? (laughs) But it's so funny. It's just so good. I think it's a... I want to say it's one of the Thanos ones. You maybe... I think you maybe... You maybe tie it by, by saying, like... Oh, he's a scientist, or something like that. But I can't remember that. Yeah, yeah but that's Thanos, a, he, he was a scientist. Say I, I, every book I have has Thanos in some way or yeah, another. But that's but that's honestly about it. If so, that was about all you said was like Thanos think... was a scientist. And by the way, this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when, so when you do look at the books, he he does seem uh, like his science. 
It was just so good. Honestly, it was a list of... That's environmental. He killed off half the universe. (laughs) It was just funny because it was a list of about 500 books and there was only about three of them that were actually science. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is that people, now they've watched the film, people are asking, if you had the infinite power of the Infinity Gauntlet, why didn't you just wish for more resources? (laughs) I knew I I I shouldn't have brought up Thanos. Why did I do it? Why did I do it? (laughs) Um, no, that's good, well, I've 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 had my moment of fame for tonight. I'm <laughs> I'm going to listen to the other books now. I've I've done my damage. That uh, that sharks one looked great. Uh, uh, Bernard yeah. Soleil. The hardback one as well. And gone. You I I can't remember you mentioning this. You've either brought it along and just kind of tangent, like just quickly said it and moved on, or. Um, or I've just totally missed it somewhere. Uh, we, we had a we had a dinosaur thing. So I think it was uh, it was one of the earlier times I was there, and, and somebody said, "Well, why not? Why not you come up with an idea?" And I said, "Oh, prehistoric theme." And I should I brought in about a dozen different issues. Of- we've not done we've not done prehistoric. We've not done mm. dinosaurs or prehistoric, not at all. I hope it's not. It's, I hope it's not from one of my weird dreams I had, like uh, the one I told you guys about, where Marlon Brando plays uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, Nando can re- Nando can remember you bringing it, but I've I've got no recollection. Yeah, at I, I'm all. sure. I'm no, sure it was because it's in it your before. kitchen, uh, your old kitchen, yeah. your old flat, and uh, I brought in Jurassic Park comics and um, oh, here we Cadillac go. dinosaurs and. Gone and Godzilla. Oh, what is that? You uh, probably traumatized. You're trying to block out your memory, and this will just bring. Tom, there's probably a very, very, very tangential. Yeah. To um, <laughs> it's probably uh, the day that we're talking about romance. <laughs> um, cool. No, that's good though. That's 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 a good list, mate. Really good list. Yeah. Um, well, I've actually only got two, and they're from the same person, so I'm just going to say mine quickly. Um, I uh, I didn't actually have a lot with an environmental message. I was thinking of Captain Planet because he had a Marvel Comics run. Um, yeah. And I mean, I do I do really love Captain Planet, but I I, I never got any of the comics, unfortunately. Are I've we going to sing the tune? <laughs> I've uh, it, it's um. LeVar Burton's one of them that's in it, definitely. Um, but no, I uh, I do um, I do remember seeing the comic. I've seen the comic in a shop as well, but it was way too expensive what they were asking for it. it was, I think it was something like £14 for one issue, and I thought, no, I'm not paying that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've not I've never actually read any of it, but there is Captain Planet um, comics. Uh, there is a couple other things that I can think of. Um... I'm sure. I'm sure one of you will probably mention it though, so I'll maybe hold off on one of them. Um, Has I'm... anyone seen the Captain Planet? It seems we're talking about comics. The Captain Planet that was played by Don Cheadle. Yes, who was tur- War Machine. Turns yeah. everybody into a tree. The college humor thing. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, I was gonna mention Trashed by Derf, but really, it's. I mean, there is the the story of how rubbish works and there's the the whole environmental impact on it and everything that's that's within it and things about how trash is hidden and everything and what what effect that has on the planet and all that kind of jazz that's within the story, 
but it's not necessarily one that's actually specifically for an environmental message. So I picked two specifically that are indicated a, a, an actual impact on the environment. And uh, they're both by Claire Spiller uh, from what, the Wine and Zine Collective. But she has done Lost Light and more recently Rays, which I think I've brought along before. Yes. Um, yep. Lost Light is about the effect of light pollution. Um, in fact, it actually has at the back of the at the back of the book. Um, it has a little bit where it says light pollution is having an increasingly disruptive effect on our wildlife nocturnal pollinators migrating birds and newly hatched sea turtles are just a few animals that suffer from our dependence on artificial lighting try not to lose sight of the stars for the street lights and then it's got a um, it's got a, a web address of where you can go and see the night sky with no light pollution uh, darksky.org um, but yeah, it's a really nice book. It's it's a girl that lives in her own little house, and she sort of tries to keep away all the creatures of the night by putting in as much light as possible, lighting up her entire front garden, and basically the animals come, the animals come and destroy the lights because they actually want to be seen as the beautiful glowing creatures that they are as soon as the light hits them they turn into these like black really scared scary animals and it's it's she basically it's her discovery that the light is actually turning them into that and her acceptance of living a bit more in with non-artificial light and letting nature come back and sort of becoming one with nature after that and discovering the night sky um it's a silent comic um, but the pictures are in a way that it, it tells the story nicely. You don't re- you're not really lost at any point. Um, it's very much guided along the way. But some of the art in it is beautiful. Yeah, it looks really nice. That. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so I'm, I, I mean, it's a it's a hard recommendation. I've actually reviewed and recommended it before uh, on the lakes. Um, but I love Claire Spiller's art anyway. She's a very confident illustrator and artist. I really like it. Um, Rays, I think I said before, was about um, humans' effect on the planet, especially on the roads and roadkill, um, and how these are. It, it's essentially a, a fictitious story about old gods being uh, pushed out by man, man taking over, um, and her sort of saying, no animal as we are animals with with other animals no animal can be a god only the old gods can be gods sort of thing and it's this story about how we've taken over the gods have been pushed out and they've come together in their rage and become this one creature this deer looking creature that's grown and grown every time it's seen an animal killed at the side of the road needlessly by us not paying attention Um, and then it fights back you know the, the 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 sort of fiction element of it is that this animal fights back and eradicates the human race and brings wildlife back and destroys all the roads, um, which is <laughs> tremendous when you actually see the story. You're going through it, you're getting angry as you're as you're reading through it. This one isn't silent. This one has sort of poetic 
little narrative bits throughout. Um, but there's lovely black and white pages that are in it. Um, and then obviously this deer character stands out because it's bright yellow and glowing. Um, but there's a gorgeous page where it's fighting back. And look at it standing at the top of that road. Look at the sheer weight of that thing. Unbelievable. Um, but it's... Uh, she's Once again, at the back, got a bit of... Uh, the UK has one of the densest road networks in the world. We have around 400,000 roads in our little country, enough that you could travel around the world 10 times if they were all stretched out. And with 80% of the country being within one kilometre of a road, it is unavoidable that our wildlife is profound, prof, ah, profoundly affected. Um, and then there's just like these little staple points of the sort of harm that we're doing um, pinpointed with these little bits of nature but then she's also got a but you can help and then these little points of what you can do to help out at the bottom she's not just preaching she's giving you a point so lost light she's giving you an outlet of like we're disappearing like a lot of the night sky is disappearing here's a place to go and see the night sky you know to kind of maybe encourage people to get outside and see the night and see everything for how it is without that artificial light and maybe try and influence people to do without it a bit more you know maybe be influencing them to take away wait dude sorry two seconds oh. Alfie's growling what's up being yeah what's up being Okay. I thought it was I thought it was a Vindaloo chili or something working up. <laughs> Don't know what was going on there. I think he must have been dreaming. He's um, sleeping. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, kind of just influencing people to get out there and uh, see the night sky and maybe just sort of change the habits or whatever. Or maybe get rid of some lights. Is it? Are you growling at what's on the screen? What's happening? Hey, shush. <laughs> I think he's you think he's noticed everybody on the screen. He's going, "What are you doing? How are they in here?" <laughs> okay, okay, shush, shush. We're gonna see this huge mouth just leaning <laughs> towards the camera. I know, bah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, on Ray's, um, but you can help. She's got um, drive slower around rural spaces in the evening and at night when animals are more active. Avoid driving where you can. Cycle, take the bus or train instead. Report any animal collisions to your local council and then where to find how to report dead animals. Uh, and wild, wild, wildlife trusts such as the Badger Trust, which can use data to better protect our wildlife and stuff. It's, you know, she's she's got a kind of mission with these comics to, to inform people of what's going on, especially within the sort of UK limits as well. Um, it's nice. It's really nice work. <clears throat> it's, you know, it's good. A confident work of art along with a message so and it's accessible by all as well it's you know there's no profanity there's no there's nothing to really put it off but there is really affecting images without it uh, within it sorry um you know there then in, in rays there is images of animals that have passed away at the side of the road have been hit by cars and whatnot you know it's these gods that are sitting beside them. She sort of softens up the images in a way 
in her artwork, but also um, with this sort of god that goes along with it. It's you know it's a really they're both really affecting pieces, um, and have really stuck with me as well. So when you said environmental um, messages in in comics, Mike, it, it was like straight away. I thought, well, Claire Speller, like one hundred percent, you know. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I've I've not got a ton. I probably would have just been some of the science comics as well. Um, but I've only got a, personally, I've only got the dogs one. But I know there is messages throughout the sort of coral reef ones and volcanoes and everything as well. There's there's bits in there that sort of say what kind of impact we are having on um, on nature to in, incur these natural disasters or anything as well I know they are within those texts, I've, I've seen them within it so yeah that's that's mine The funny thing is uh, the first thing you thought of was those brilliant books and the first thing I thought of was Thanos. giant radioactive dinosaurs destroying modern cities With Thanos <laughs> <laughs> Can I go and then I'm going to have to leave because I don't have much time unfortunately That's right. we, 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 oh, yeah. we did just chat really away good. like blazers so <laughs> yeah, we've been quite a lot of chatting. It's good. Prior to start, um, I don't have tons of comics um, with ecological message, but I had a look through, um, and there's a couple I have here. One of them is actually Animal Man, um, written by Grant Morrison. Um, and just to give you a little background, we don't know the character Animal Man has. He can absorb the abilities of the animals that they are surrounding him or they are close by. Okay, so he can uh, acquire those powers. So if there are dogs surrounding him, then his sense of smell and hearing is increased, for example. Uh, or and it can be said about other animals and other qualities. Um, but he touched the environmental issue and the ecologic issue in his running the Animal Man quite a lot, amongst other things. But that was one of the main topics in the series. So um, we're talking here, for example, this is a, an episode where they are doing experiments with uh, apes and different um, animals, and they are you know, they're trying drugs or different medicines and how these experiments are, they're killing these apes and different simian and etc. And so there's a little bit of a, you know, to realize that they are beings, you know, and we're doing this and we are killing them and they're suffering. And, and the artist this, is portraying this quite well, you know, and they are crying. And these are the animals that are closest to us, the apes. We are apes. We are evolved apes. So, um, there are a few, there's one of the characters that appears as well, which is uh, Buana Beast, um, and he is uh, uh, perhaps has a, is more violent than Animal Man. He, he stands for the animals, and he decides that he wants to fight whoever um, is doing these experiments. And uh, So yeah, Animal Man by Graham Morrison, uh, I think has that message, that ecological, environmental message in their stories. Is um, uh, is Animal Man? Has it got Morrison's uh, signature confusion about it, or is it pretty straightforward? Because is it DC? Uh, 
Uh, Arimama was one of the first jobs he did for DC, actually. Okay. And then the stories themselves are not that confusing or extremely complicated. Although he starts to experiment on the stories and the narrative. And it's a, it's a very kind of secondary tertiary character in the DC universe at that mm. time. Mm. No one knew about it, but, you know, he wrote things in it, although being in the kind of superhero comic, without being that superhero, actually, he put things in it that he was worried about. Ecology, environment, uh, social impact of certain things, how so society is living in a modern way, allegedly is better than before. Um, he adds all the things as well into it. There's um, aliens, there's <laughs> many other things going on. But the major thing that struck to me when I read it was the, the ecology part, okay. uh, the environmental part, certainly. Okay. Um, so it's well worth to have a go. Um, but it's not that complex or, you know, particularly kind of Grant Morrison type of comic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's oh, one of his first jobs oh, to see. Oh, I know what you mean. Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, certainly that is one. The other one that I want to mention is... Yeah. <laughs> see, I knew you would uh, mention it. I knew you would mention it. Alan Moore. Um, when Alan Moore and, and Bisset and Total Ben and, and they pick up the, the Swan thing from... Lynn Wayne and Bernie Rayson, uh, sorry, Bernie Wrightson, um, they are trying to add something else to it. Uh, whereas basically before it was just a monster and it was a horror comic, they add other layers to it. The horror is still present, but then there is a, a critic to society, uh, ecological and environmental message is very strong during the whole run, um, how we should respect nature and, and we are part of it. So we have to embrace it, we have to love it, and we are part of it. So we, we need to, that's the only way that we will go forward. Um, and, you know, there's many other things going on there in the, in the saga of the Swamp Thing. So it's a great modern classic, uh, which I would recommend anyone to read. Yeah. But certainly the ecological environmental message I think is is a, is a big part of it too. Um, no, there, I won't pick a, just a particular issue because there's a lot. There are several. It's, it's, yeah. There are several going on, and it's something that goes and runs through the, the whole kind of uh, about. I think it's about six volumes, six books. Yeah. Uh, so there are several things going on there. So it's a, it's a. It's one of the main things. As one of the main things of the series. As soon as Moore made him sort of conscious plant life, as opposed to yeah. Alec Holland, he 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 changed. He, he he basically opened it up right there to an environmental messaging throughout it. Like straight away, yeah. as soon as he was like, yeah. "This and, is and how it's connected to all the plant life in the planet, yeah. and how he can then, in a kind of superpower, super." Hero science fiction where he can transport himself from a seed to another place yeah. in the planet because he's connected with the so with the flora. Some of those yeah. some of those images that he does where you know he's either being destroyed or he's making his way from one bit to another and he comes up like a seed and they do the yeah. double page and it's just the seed coming through all the oh fucking just 
Yeah, oh, amazing. Like yeah, it's really, incredible. Really good. But the um, I really like that. I do remember the the issue with uh, him going to Gotham to get. Uh, is it is he going to get Abby back? Um, I think she's been like kept prisoner in Gotham or something like that. But he suddenly turns Gotham into like a jungle. Yes. And uh, it's like I think I think Batman actually makes a comment at one point like. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm sure he says something along the lines of like, um, like he's turned this into a jungle. But he's like, it's the most, uh, something like it's the most health Gotham seen in its atmosphere in a long time, or something <laughs> like that. Something, something about the fumes being gone, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And he's like, although this is unruly, it's it's the first time the air has been clear, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I could imagine Batman saying. That poison ivy's gonna pay for this. <laughs> he probably thought it was straight away. <laughs> also, although I don't have them here, I want to mention uh, a comic that actually a manga that I read um, that has a, a quite strong environmental message and, and our connection as as human beings with nature. And it's a classic uh, from mangas and animes, uh, Nausicaa and. Uh, yeah, that's that of the Valley of the Winds uh, by uh, the master that is Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, and that's a it's a very has a very strong uh, connection with how uh, in a nuclear wasted planet where there's a lot of radioactivity, how life is thriving again, although they are mutated. And how Nausicaa, this girl has certain connections with these beings, and 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 it realizes that the damage that the humans have done, uh, and how nature is trying to come back to it, and how we have forgotten the connection with nature in a way. So it's a it's an interesting taking off in the same way that Godzilla uh, showing the nuclear holocaust, and in a way to. Exteriorize that in a science fiction and even sometimes comical way um, with the Godzilla films, but behind that there is a serious element and it's a serious issue there. Yeah. Uh, so when yeah, I thought um, Nausicaa was a quite good one to to give it a go. Either watch the film, the movie is really good, the anime or the actual mangas as well. They are incredibly nice and yeah. really nice <clears throat> details. So that's well worth to to have a go at that. The anime is incredible. Yes, it's really, really good. And the last one, which I want, it's just a mention. It's not a ecology comic itself, but it's a character which is probably one of the biggest ecology defenders that exist in our comic pages. And it's not other that the little dogmatics, <laughs> Annabellix comics, <laughs> uh, which is the the famous Obelix dog. He always howls and cries when a tree has fallen down or is broken down or has been damaged, and he is a fierce defender of nature. So I wanted to mention dogmatics. Uh, it always brings a smile to me. The little dog that just appeared, you know, and howling and biting anyone who's damaging the trees. And... <laughs> so, yeah, it needs to be mentioned. Yeah. I know it's not a series itself, but 
you know, he's an echo warrior. He is. This should be he's mentioned. An echo warrior. <laughs> <laughs> so he should be mentioned in comics. And that's me. Perfect, buddy. That was good. That's a uh, that's a that's a nice collection. But I uh, I knew somebody was going to bring Swamp Thing. That's why I didn't mention it. And I said well, like I mentioned that to you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, I only heard, I only heard you saying Animal Man. I never heard you saying Swamp Thing. Sorry, All um, right. I never heard you saying Swamp Thing. But um, oh no, wait, no, I did. No, no, I did. I did. I so you were mentioning something with Dave because you just spoken, or you were gonna be yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about the yeah, yeah. horror comic. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I did remember. Anyway, I'm gonna have to shoot. I'm very sorry. I'm not staying behind to listen to your selection, Dave. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be fantastic. You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom will write it down very kindly in the email. Well, I know, I know, I'll find out. But it's good to see you guys. Take care. Okay, see you later, really Lando. See, okay. you later. see you later, buddy. Bye. Bye. I've got, I've got two Ooh. to talk about. Just two. I th- you know, thinking about this, I kept thinking of things, um, stories. There's a lot of stories post an environmental disaster. There was lots of them coming to mind. Right. You know, post-apocalyptic things. Yeah. And I thought there's so many of them. That's not really what we're looking into here. So I didn't really, I didn't use any of them. I, I thought, well. It's things going towards the ecological situation right now. Yeah. So the most obvious one to me that I thought, um, well, first I thought, actually, I'll start with the one that I'm unable to find because there was, I've got Crisis from um, Fleetway in the late 80s. All right. and And it had in it Pat Mills' story, World War Three. Uh, Carlos Esquera, and that that was very. It was like a near future sci-fi thing where uh, it was concerned with environmental impact of uh, globalization, that kind of thing, yeah. uh, mass corporations, and then we were following kind of radical young people that were fighting against it. So it was quite heady stuff because it was a spin-off of 2000 AD. And then when you bought Crisis, it was actually it was sold as being a more mature, more adult kind of comic. And we were at we were at that time where that's the kind of thing that they were starting to talk about yeah. in the mass media. So I had a look around, and I don't know where I've put it. Like a stupid idiot, it's not where it should be. Uh, but I, I had to mention it anyway. So now I'll move on to the character Concrete. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Paul Chadwick, yeah. Never even thought. Yeah, of course. Because he's very concerned with um, environmental issues. Uh, you know Concrete, Mike. Um, you know, I'm Paul sure Chadwick. I've seen you. I'm sure yeah. I've had a flick through it. Yes. Um, when we were all allowed to meet each other. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've flicked through it, but I've... I don't know if I've. Um, I'm not exactly a hundred percent familiar with them. Right. Okay. I'm just. Well, uh, I'm just looking on eBay just now, now because you've 
you've just mentioned I'm sitting going God I'm right in the mood for reading some concrete <laughs> you're buying concrete as as I speak yeah well, ho- hopefully <laughs> good hopefully good yeah um he starts off it starts off as a kind of alien abduction story, which was also in fashion in the 80s when concrete started. <laughs> that was when all your anal probes and all that started, <laughs> and, your, and your Whitley Streeper and all these kind of books. Communion. So it kind of goes like that, uh, uh, but then it's very... Uh, uh, we end up with his mind, his brain, in this stone body. Uh and, he, and we don't know why they did it or anything like that. He's just left there back on Earth in contemporary times trying to come to terms with his new situation. And along the way, some of the stories are very definitely environmentally uh, based on issues like that because we've got... Well, we've even got Concrete Celebrates Earth Day 1990. Hmm. There was Earth Day 1990. I remember there was a TV special that got shown on the TV here. And they had ET in it and, and all these kind of things. They maybe do them all the time, but that that one was on the on the regular TV channels. Yeah. And this and this issue has stories by Paul Chadwick and then it's also got concrete stories by Mobius. Oh let me check that. Is it a concrete story? No. No, concrete's not in the Mobius story. Sorry, I'm misleading you there. But it is an environmental environmental sci-fi artwork of Mobius in there. Really nice. And, you know, we get so little Mobius that getting this was a great treat. Yeah. And then we've also got, uh, I mean, there's there's some of the Paul Chadwick pages. Really nice animals and (laughs) nice animal artwork there. And then Charles Vess as well is in it. He did... He did like artworks with pros beside it. Oh, really nice. Charles Vess is amazing. Yeah, really good. Um, So that was that 1990. And then there was one of my favourite ones, Think Like a Mountain. And that that was. um, Oh, the the thingy cover. Uh, (sighs) (laughs) Matrix. Oh my god, why is that not coming to my mind? Well, it's late, you're tired. Oh, fuck. I'll come to you. I'll not tell you. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> It'll be fun when it finally comes to you. Or I could just tell you. I'll, t- I'll tell Jeff you. Jeff Darrow. There you, you go. Oh. One F. So, so this one, Concrete, gets involved with Earth First Environmental Group. And specifically, they're they're spiking trees. Um, so the people cutting down the forests get all their equipment wrecked when they go into these trees. Uh, and they're trying to get concrete to come on board and get involved with us as well. And he mm. seriously is thinking he should do it. And so it's a six-issue series where he's it's going through the moral dilemma because he does believe in what they're fighting for, but he's not sure that he wants to do it or not. So that that's one of the best ones, in my opinion, of concrete. Think yeah. like a mountain. And then, um, I think this is the human dilemma. And this one was about, he, uh, he manages to uh, get himself pregnant. And so he's thinking, should I bring a little concrete child 
any child into this world, you know, nowadays. And it's so it, yeah, concrete... he's, a, he's a chip off the old block. Hey, that Bam. was class. That Bid, was quality. <laughs> I mean, concrete in in general is a lot of. Um, uh, he's covered in thought balloons. Concrete. Yeah. He walks around surrounded by thought balloons, and really, it's a comic for Paul Chadwick to have these philosophical debates with himself through Concrete, who has just happened to be like this big rock man. Um, so that's Concrete. I'd recommend that. I didn't realise I had quite so many Concrete comics. I've got a ton of them. That's good enough. And I also didn't realise it had been quite as long. I think the most recent one was 2012. Really? Which is getting on for 10 years ago now. But I know he is. I think we've spoken about this recently. He did put something online uh, from his new one. Here's a panel from the new one I'm doing. Oh. Yeah. You know, when I, when I used to go to Abertay, there was a magazine called Concrete Quarterly, but it was for those people who were working in construction science. <laughs> Do you know what? I know that magazine well because it gets mm. delivered into the library, yeah. and and uh, it and it, I thought it was literal concrete in the box. I mean, it weighs a ton. <laughs> literal concrete. Literal <laughs> concrete. Yeah, so some of those journals are quite heavy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there you are. Oh, I've been waiting to move for ages. Alfie was lying on my lap, and I didn't want to move. <laughs> My bum has went to sleep. Oh. He said bum. <laughs> oh. Oh, Do you know the so first bad. one I was Just thinking of? past the nine o'clock watershed with language oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> I thought of the Tower King, which was in the Eagle, and the that was a post. The Tower King, that was a post-apocalyptic one. All right, okay. and that, that was the first one I thought of, and then I thought of someone else, and then I thought, Do you know, it's just going to be a load of stories about what's happening on Earth after there's been an environmental collapse, if I keep going this way. So I tried to think of, as I said, some before, uh, stories before the uh, environmental collapse that's ahead of us. Yeah, exactly. Or that we've maybe already entered. No, I, th- I think we've probably already entered it, to be fair. They keep doing this whole, you know, it's a the countdown until it's irreversible. It's Christ, like I think it's already fucking irreversible. To be fair, you're just living on borrowed time at this moment. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fine. We'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see if we need to blow our own brains out before we're incinerated. <laughs> We'll wait and see what happens. Or, or the McDonald burgers have evolved into mutants yeah. that start farming people. Oh, Christ. That's what I get for sitting for ages, leaning forward. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was a good that was a good topic, Mike. Cheers. Um, there wasn't do you know it's not the it's not the biggest list in the world. Um and we kinda to be fair, we kinda battered through our titles pretty quickly. But um they're all they're all cracking. They're all absolutely cracking. Do you know the other one I was thinking of, but I've not read it. Daryl Cunningham does these factual comics. Yeah, yeah. And he did one on climate change. I've did never he? actually read it. Yeah. Ah. He did, his most recent one is the one about billionaires, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Is it's it, quite good. I've not actually. Do you know? I've never actually sat there and read Daryl Cunningham's stuff. I've just seen his sort of illustrations and that. 
Um, is it is it is it well written? Is it really nice nicely written? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've not read it, but the bits I've seen. He's very um, he's very nice to listen to. He's a good talker. Yes, good very, communicator. Yeah, very good communicator. I was listening to him chatting on. Uh, is it panel borders? Oh yeah. I think it was panel borders, but um, I think it was a talk that he was doing, and uh, yeah, cracking, absolutely cracking. I could have listened to him all day. It was brilliant. Really good. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna stop recording. Bum. Yeah. <laughs> send us any comments or questions or just to say hello. You can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and most other places you find podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Chart Smasher, and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter, at Joan Edam. And you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp. That Comic Smell comic issue number one is now available to buy. Join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadaka and Tom Stewart with guest artist John Tucker as they create their first anthology together. Buy your copy today at fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com Go to fredeggcomics.bigcartel.com today to buy your copy. This episode of That Comic Smell is sponsored by David Robertson's The Taybridge Disaster Comic, now funding on Kickstarter. On Sunday the 28th of December 1879, the Tay Rail Bridge collapsed as a train from Burnt Island to Dundee passed over it, killing all aboard. Read about this extraordinary event and everything surrounding it in the new comic by David Robertson under his Fred Egg Comics imprint. Go to Kickstarter today and pledge on the Tay Bridge Disaster Comic. <laughs> <laughs>